I have a question that's been getting at me, and so I'm going to ask it here. And it's not a complete question, and it's not a small question. It's a rather broad and general question, but it's going to be helpful. And that question is, are you actually having any fun? As a creator, I've been thinking about this whenever I come up with the chance to build something and create something. Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be enjoyable? Is it going to be something people can take something from and have a good time with? But this is all in this has all been in service to, hopefully, at least that's what I tell myself. It's all been in service to creating a more enjoyable and rewarding world, right? Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully, yes. But this is kind of the impetus that I had growing up as a kid, wanting to develop video games, wanting to make entertaining products. I legitimately liked what I was doing, liked creating, liked building. And I wanted the people around me to take enjoyment in what I was doing. So yeah, that was the whole idea. But now there's a question. Are, have we gotten to such a point in our lives? And maybe we've gotten to this before and seen it in different areas, but mobile games really made me think about this question. Are we actually having any fun or are we just doing stuff? And are we lying to ourselves? Are we, what are we doing with our ourselves to call ourselves having fun? Is it really just fun or is it really just an automatic response and autonomous response and internal response, innate response, whatever you want to frame it as, whatever kind of responses. Are these things helpful for us? Are they good for us? And in general, this way, way broad question. Are we having any fun? I hope you are. I hope I am. And I'm going to be exploring this in depth over, over the span of many of these podcasts. One of the reasons I'm doing this is because I'm exploring in real time. I'm kind of doing a, a set of publications, productions where I'm thinking out loud and in public. So are all of these thoughts going to be completely together? No. Are all of these thoughts going to be completely congealed and worked out? No. Am I going to do research? Yes. Am I going to wait for the research is done before I start putting it out there? No, I will not. Is that dangerous? Possible. But nevertheless, I try not to be irresponsible. I do try to think through these things and look at things from many different angles. So I'm open to being challenged or being educated on a lot of these things. So be sure if you catch something that sounds wrong to you or you see an area that could be improved upon, or just want to add in your two cents and your perspective, not worrying about being wrong or right, please do that. And shout out to Tomo for actually starting up this conversation. I have a friend, Tomo. He was on one of the podcasts before. I will definitely link to that. You can find the link in the notes here. But I had a discussion online and he actually challenged me with one of my thoughts and we went off into a discussion and we added some things that that really got me thinking, actually. I try not to get upset or into a lot of online discussions that I don't think are terribly fruitful, but this one was actually beneficial. And I'll get into that in a second. But I'll get into it now. What I ended up saying online, just throughout a statement that, that went like this. A lot of mobile games aren't intrinsically fun. The fun in them comes from dopamine hits wrapped in stuff. And that was the end of the statement. 
So what I was getting at is, is a response to this idea that's been going around that mobile games aren't really much more than monetary monetization, addiction, data gathering machines. And they've become this thing that is used for all these other purposes, aside from enriching the people who actually use these devices. And that came out in that statement where it goes, a lot of mobile games aren't intrinsically fun. The fun in them comes from dopamine hits wrapped in stuff. And of course, you can say that about any game. And that's what started the discussion with Tomo, is that could be any game. And that's true. That, that statement right there is true. All games are essentially dopamine hits wrapped in stuff. But the point I was getting at is that this, and I suppose I should actually stop and say, speak a little about what dopamine is. Dopamine is a, is a molecule. It's a, it's something you'll hear a lot of neuroscientists talk about. You can look into this yourself. It's a large field of research and it's not just dopamine. It's a lot of hormones and chemical receptors, neurological responses in our heads that get into this kind of thing. But for the, for the purpose of this discussion, which I'm keeping pretty light and pretty simple, for the purposes of this discussion, you could say dopamine is the, ugh, and this even, this is even a bad description. A lot of people refer to it as the happiness hormone or the happiness molecule. I shouldn't call it hormone because I'm not sure of that, exactly how that is developed and what exactly parameters of a hormone are, but they call it the, the happiness molecule. And that's not entirely correct. But what got me thinking about this in terms of dopamine hits and why I said it like that is because the way we interact with a lot of games has always been, and has definitely been, been such on, on mobile systems is this idea that you take a game, you take an interaction, you do something and you get a reward back. So press a button and a bell dings. You press the button again, there's a delay, the bell rings. You're like, oh, there was a delay, but still, I want to get that ding. So now you press the button and it says, I'm sorry, you have to press the button twice to get the ding. So now you press the button twice and you get the ding. Then you press the button twice, wait five seconds, and then you get the ding. So what happens is you're not getting the ding as much as taking you more work to get that same ding. And this is what a lot of people think about and what I was referring to when I was talking about the, these dopamine hits where we just keep on, Hey, do this. And I'll give you this right quick. Do this. And I'll get you this right quick. In opposed, in a, in contrast to the idea of something being more intrinsically engaging. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, an intrinsic engagement would be one to me that you start playing, you start having interactions with it, you start playing the game, enjoying it. I shouldn't say game, we're going to expand that to just a situation. You start engaging in this, in this situation and you get a certain response back. You get a certain reward from that. So there's an input that you do and that input gives you some type of reward and you receive that reward with whatever 
reward receptors we're talking about at the time. So what ends up happening is when when mobile games first came out, and I shouldn't say mobile games, but even before mobile gaming, this idea of the casual game started coming about. Now, we're not talking about casual like Solitaire or a game of tic-tac-toe. Th those were definitely casual games, but the field that we're talking about are these games that came primarily from Zynga. Zynga started with Mafia Wars. And if you remember Mafia Wars and their other, their other hit game, Farmville, basically you didn't do much. You just, in terms of what gamers were thinking at the time, you didn't have to do much of what gamers would traditionally call gaming. You clicked something, you waited, you got points. You were rewarded for engagement and bringing other people into the game. And they were quite fun, actually. They were, they were actually enjoyable to me. I, I got into them. I thought they provided a service to a lot of people who saw these interactions in these games in a different sort of way. They were, these games had a different type of social construct, construct that, that a lot of normal games didn't have. And you were able to experience them in a whole different way. The, the doors were open for all types of different interactions and all types of different gameplay mechanics. Yes, actual gameplay. But what that did is open the door for a lot of, and this happens with any type of new thing that comes along, it opened the door for a lot of sharks, actually, where you had people who were just trying to milk people for their money, their time. They wanted to input data and get data out of it. So the exchange between the, the product and the person using the product really started changing after Mafia Wars and Facebook's decision to go mobile first and this whole idea of let's addict people to these products. Let's just start serving them up these series of dopamine hits to to get them to pay more for it. And you, you ended up with this free to play model where you pay for access to a game. I don't know if you like that sort of thing or how 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 attracted you are to that style of gameplay, but it's the whole thing right now. And it, it does, in fact, cause a lot of problems. Where we start getting into ideas about gambling, fear of missing out, substance abuse, doom scrolling. These are terms you can search and you'll see how, how dangerous these, these ideas can be. Any technology, any methodology, ideology can be used for evil. But I think it's, I think it's a problem with how these use, have been used in the past or how they've been used since their mobile inception, this style of gaming, this dopamine hit feedback loop and how it's been built into what we currently think of as mobile gaming. Cause a lot of it is quite honestly, to me, very, very it, it, it's very lacking in terms of what I call intrinsic fun. Now, this gets into a question, intrinsic versus extrinsic, and then we'll get to fun in a second, but intrinsic versus extrinsic. So does the game, does the title, does the program, does the product itself reward you in the actual act of doing it, or that'd be intrinsic, or 
is the reward extrinsic where you're doing something and the reward is somewhere else or based on an outside metric. For example, if you go to a job that you totally hate, you, you have a salary, right? But you go to this job, you, t you completely hate it. You think it does nothing for your, your social life. You think it no does nothing for your physical life. Maybe you're trapped in a cube. It does nothing for your mental life. You're not thinking about anything. You're just kind of being a mindless drone. It does nothing for your spiritual life. The company may be doing bad things to the environment that you disagree with, or they may just be on a moral footing that you don't like. All of that aside, you have a salary that pays you what you want it to pay you. That would be an example of a strong intrinsic reward where, I mean, extrinsic, that would be an example of a strong extrinsic reward. You have this job going on that's got all these things that you don't like. And then the thing you quote unquote like about it is totally external to the job itself. Like even if you did better or worse, your pay may not go up or down. So the job you're, you're doing, you're assigned to do has very little intrinsic value to you. But because it gives you this extrinsic value of a salary, something outside of the actual job itself, you put up with it, you go along with it. And the same thing kind of happens in games, gaming, where, where we've seen this separation. In the past, we had these ideas of, and it, it's always been a kind of amorphous idea that you can apply to a lot of things. And the definition really hasn't been strong, but people want to know, how's the gameplay? They would ask, how's the, is it fun? How's the fun factor? What are the game mechanics? What are the rules? What, what are these gaming systems that, that get me involved? What is the interface? Like, is the interface enjoyable? Am I getting good feedback? Is there a, a good challenge curve? Is the difficulty curve worked out and proper? You start thinking about that kind of thing, right? Where's the entertainment value? And it's really hard to define this right here. What's happening, Grady? So, along with a lot of game development, I spent a lot of my time considering what the intrinsic, quote-unquote, fun was. And I wanted people to enjoy the actual act of the game itself. And as time went on, I was hoping that gaming would be more, more intrinsic, where people would start enjoying the game more, but it becomes more beneficial to the company and the corporation and a lot of other people, not the actual developers themselves, but it becomes more of a job to them to make sure that these extrinsic factors are playing in because they want more money, more engagement. They want to get more data. They want to get your into your wallet more. And a lot of it is pretty, it, you can easily slide into slimy territory with these games. You know, I was serious when I mentioned the dopamine biases where we're talking about not so much having a pleasurable experience, but if you look into dopamine, it's fundamentally not about pleasure. That's a slight, a slight misread of what dopamine's about. According to an Andrew Huberman, who's a 
Stanford professor, actually had a lot to say about this, where he says, dopamine is not so much about pleasure, but about the need to reduce the pain of craving. At every hit, pleasure is decreased and the pain of the craving is increased. It's kind of what I was illustrating in my early example about pressing a button and hearing a ding. Let me read that again. Dopamine is not so much about pleasure, but about the need to reduce the pain of craving. At every hit, the pleasure is decreased and the pain of craving is increased. So you have this thing that's set up to basically introduce an aversion to pain. Yet the pain is part of the part of the system. And I wonder, are are games are games going down that route? Are they going in that direction? If the activity that you're doing in any said game or product, if that actual activity gives you a reward by doing that action itself, you're more along the lines of being an intrinsic or, or that being an intrinsic reward or you or the fun being intrinsic to that game. And I know I'm kind of blending and messing with terms and kind of graying the area, but these aren't solid terms. And I think we're going to a new place where we need to start really trying to understand where we're going. So bear with me. Now with an extrinsic reward, you can just create any manner of activity and say, when you do this, we will give you this. As long as it's something the player wants, the actual activity the actual engagement doesn't have to be that good. It can just be something that you do to get something on the outside. So to the original point, a lot of mobile games aren't intrinsically fun. The fun in them comes from dopamine hits wrapped in stuff. I still stand by that, where we've gotten to a place where we're just doing stuff to get these these little ribbons, these little trinkets, these little so-called rewards, right? And then you compare that with a game like, let's say, let's say, I'm talking about mobile games where, for example, how's this for an example? I just played or tried out Monopoly Go. One of the interesting thing that it, things that it did, if you want to get into the and I'll straight call it out, the insidious nature of a lot of these feedback game systems, these gameplay systems that they've developed, you start wondering, is it really fun to engage in these insidious feedback loops? And the answer for a lot of people is no. Let's look at them. Monopoly Go, I, was, I started out playing that. And it, it takes you through the tutorial like most of these games do. You may have noticed over time that these tutorials don't ask you to actually try anything or perform a task. They actually ask you to just follow along, just move, move your pen across the dotted lines. 
If you do a lot of them, you, know, you remember the dot puzzles where you just go from one to two to three to four to five, whatever. And it's not so much about drawing. It's about just connecting the dots and going along with how the system is pushing you forward. That's what ended up happening in this, in this Monopoly Go situation. And a lot of games do it. I'm not just picking on them. A lot of mobile games do this. Where they kind of just say, hey, push this button here. Or, hey, just go through here. Just, just, just drag that. Or, you know, just open this menu. Just, you don't have to do anything. Just tap this menu. And then they won't let you do anything unless you do that. The whole screen goes dark. This one area turns bright. A big arrow flashes towards it. So they're training you to just, hey, shut up, hit this button, do this. It's not so much a training, but just a follow along kind of activity. And once again, I can't speak to anybody's enjoyment or what's going on in their heads or whether they like something or don't like it. Not my point. And I don't want to get into the, into the realm of trying of, of bashing some games because they employ these mechanisms. I'm just saying these mechanisms have a lot of room to grow in terms of being more intrinsically rewarding for players that are engaging in them. In other words, they have more chances to bring the enjoyment back to the actual activity itself and not the, the lights, bells, whistles, trinkets, hearing the ding at the end of it, which I think is a, I, I think it's not as, in, especially for in terms of your game, quote unquote, health, it's, it's not as healthy of a system to build industries on, especially for the people who get caught up in these things, as I said, with gambling, substance abuse, addiction to social media, et cetera. But Monopoly Go, what it did is early on, it introduced me to something that was relatively painful, which was tapping the button every time to roll the dice, hop around the board and keep moving. It just got to be annoying. And right when it gets just annoying enough where I start to notice how annoying it is, they say, hey, if you pay this amount of coins or this amount of Monopoly bucks, then you can just hold down the button and it'll run around the board for you. So that hits me in two ways. I can just pay a little money and then I'll be able to hold down a button and run around the board. So I get to do less and get more at the same time just by paying a little money. And this probably sounds like any, any use of technology or any ways to buy into something. You pay less and you get more back. You, you do less and you get more back. But that took a little bit of the quote unquote game away from it for me, where I was like, well, now I just got to hold this down and I'm running around the board. Why am I running around the board anyway? Why is this? And it's very, very sophisticated. So it's hard to kind of break this apart without doing a complete just dissection of how these systems work. It's very crafty. And a lot of these techniques did not come from gaming or electronic entertainment, I should say. A lot of these came from, a lot of these techniques and strategies came from the world of gambling, the world of Las Vegas, slot machines, trying to get people to your, 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 your games that you find at a movie theater with the claw, the claw game, right? 
or the one where you drop the coin in and it pushes the other coins over. These are forms of gambling. And once again, we're not trying to get too caught up on words here because anything can be seen as, as gambling to a certain extent, right? That's a really broad term, but hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Gambling machines, Las Vegas, slot, slot machines, games of chance, these little mystery box type of deals. The more you do that, the less it becomes a cute novelty and the more it becomes a, a crutch where you can't, where you're relying on these things instead of relying on a core gaming experience. So, and where else have we, se where else have we seen this, right? It's not just mobile games. It's not just TikTok, but think about the movies you've seen. Like how, how good is the actual story that you're watching? Or are you watching it completely because of the end credit sequence? Or are you watching this completely because you don't want to miss this chapter of the MCU saga or whatever? It's still, it's still fun. It's still entertaining. But at some point, you'll notice it's like, hey, wait a minute. They relied way too heavily on this tie-in. They wanted to get us with this tie-in. They want us to order Disney Plus just to make sure that we got this lead into the other story. And how much of an actual story did they give us? Shout out to all the writers doing the writer strike. Get paid to do what you're doing. We don't need more, more ho hollow, ho hollow tricks getting us into the seats, right? So hopefully we can get to a place where we're having we're having fun with the actual properties that we're paying into and people are still getting paid what they need to. Hopefully there's some kind of middle ground that's not complete, just raking people over the coals for their, for their pennies. And we don't get to, a, and we don't have to get to the other extreme where, you know, where something's this pure art thing that you have to be real heady about. It's like, Hey, listen, I came in, saw some explosions, some people kissed and then I got scared when something jumped out at me. I had a good time. It was fun. There's a, there's a happy middle ground in there. And I see in video games, mobile games, and I see in a lot of these other types of games and experiences that we're starting to get further and further away from the core idea of enjoyment. And I don't think you can really argue against that because it's simply where, where things are headed. We've got the algorithm that's, that's gaming these systems up where it's like, Hey, listen, if you click this or you share this, you'll get more of a, we'll, we'll boost this even more. We'll show this more to you. And when, what happens is as that starts to grow and that starts to become more important, it starts to actually lead the development. So now that the development is the development of these systems that are, as I said, raking you over the coals or trying to get your data or trying to get your a quick buck, the, the more and more that becomes a premium, then the farther and farther we get from intrinsic gameplay, fun, systems, enjoyment, etc. Hopefully that makes sense. So are you, are you doing your activity for the love of what you're doing? When you get up in the morning, 
are you cooking breakfast and enjoying what you're doing because you want to be in the moment, you have, want to have a nice meal, or are you just scarfing something down your throat because you don't want to be hungry later and you don't want the boss to yell at you, you don't want to be, be tired at work. What are you actually doing this stuff for? Coach Missy, long time no see. We're back in action here. Hope you're having a good time. So yeah, as I said in the beginning of this, it's about all these systems. And as a game developer, I've had an interesting look at how you can literally game the system and start developing ways of getting people to do what you want, getting people to click where you want, getting people to buy into these these huge machines called Hollywood, called called Las Vegas, called the game industry, called mobile app development, called social media, etc. Without really giving people the chance to stop and enjoy life themselves or enjoy connecting with people. We got Grip 47 in here. What's happening? So, and everybody leave a, leave a comment on what you think about the current, the current state of things, how we're, how we're dealing with just this, uh, this idea of actually having fun or just doing stuff because we want likes doing stuff because the algorithm said so, or going to a movie just to see the end credit scene or, or who showed up, not actually having to do with the actual movie itself or the game itself or the activity itself. In this, in my little journey of trying to be more and more in touch with what I'm doing and, and living in the moment, it's gotten me to question a lot of these, a lot of these things. Like if I play a mobile game after I finish with it, was I actually any better or did it just kind of drag me down this tunnel of clicking and watching numbers fly up on the screen? Well, of course I had fun with them. Otherwise I, well, no, I shouldn't say of course, because a lot of these, a lot of times I don't have fun. I just want to keep playing because I'm so used to the dopamine hit of playing the game, right? Coach Missy says, I always make a conscious effort to enjoy everything I'm doing. Exactly. And I think that's a good place to be. Really just stopping to try to enjoy what you're doing why you're involving yourself in this thing. Case in point, I am doing these lives many nights of the week and I'm not doing them to, I, I would like to get, get more engagement. I would like to grow my following and all these other things, but I'd never want to get to a point where I'm solely and completely doing something for some external metric. Hopefully there is something I can enjoy with life itself that allows me to keep doing what I'm doing as I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. Whether that's cooking, driving, sweeping the floor, all these things can be, can have intrinsic value. But let me jump back to what I was saying with, with gaming and dopamine hits and things like that. For an example on how this can go wrong, governments have this idea called called unintended consequences. So when you have unintended consequences, that basically means that you said, hey, I'm going to set up the system. I'm going to do this activity. I'm going to build this thing. And 
this is going to be the result that we want. As it starts out, you start getting the result that you want. Most times you get something, right? And hopefully it's a result that you want. But in general, we're referring to when we get the results that we wanted. But then along with it or after the fact comes all these unintended consequences. A major example of that was happened in India. It's called the Cobra effect, if you ever want to look it up. But basically, there was a problem in India where there were so many Cobras running around that people were, they became a menace. People were getting bit. They were messing up the ecosystem. There were just too many Cobras. Cobras were all over the place. And it was just a problem. I assume you can understand how too many Cobras could be a problem, so I won't get into that. But there were too many Cobras. So the British government and the, in, the, and the Indian government, they both step in and like, hey, this is a problem. Too many Cobras. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to get rid of these Cobras by charging a bounty. So if you see a Cobra, kill it, bring, bring us the dead snake, and you can, have, you can have the bounty for it. We'll give you X amount of money for these, these snakes, these Cobras that you kill. So people were like, cool, let's go get rid of some Cobras. So people started hunting Cobras. You know, they probably, they may have used this, the skins for something. I don't know. But they ended up getting rid of a lot of Cobras. And as they, as they did, as they enacted this, this bounty system and people started hunting Cobras, of course, the Cobra population went down. It was great. Everybody was like, oh, thank God. Finally, some of, we got rid of some of these snakes. Then at some point, people, it, it bottomed out. It flattened out. And there were still plenty of snakes around. People were like, wait a minute, we're killing all these snakes. What's going on? Why are there still snakes around? Why are there cobras? And some places, there are more cobras than there were before. What's going on? Turns out that a certain point into the program, people started actually breeding cobras. So they would start at these little cobra farms, breed them, kill them, and bring in the the, these cobras that they had bred themselves in these cobra farms and would get the bounty for them. So it stopped being an incentive to actually get rid of the cobras and pay money for them because all people were going to do was go breed more cobras so they can get more money. And that's how you can game. That's how they were gaming the system. And it became less about the health of the country, less about getting the ecosystem back in place and more about how much money can I get for how many Cobras. So this is why these things need to be looked at and what these things, this is, this is why these feedback systems, these ways of interacting with the population through rules and regulations and game systems. I'm using that in the logical sense, game systems. That's why these things need to be looked at and addressed in, in certain ways, in certain ways that are beneficial and you don't end up with unintended consequences. I see a wow there, Missy. Who are you wowing at? Let me know. So as time goes on, you always have to update these systems. You always have to update the lexicon. You always have to update what you're trying to do, what you think your objectives are, what you're... You may have said, oh, this system has been around for... 30 years, it's perfect, we should leave it alone. 
Not necessarily. You always need to go back and look at these systems. And you, as somebody who's invested in it, you need to say, am I having fun doing Is Am I having fun doing this? Is there intrinsic value in what I do? Because you start to get you start to get very detached from what you're doing when you're only doing it for these external or extrinsic rewards. And right now, I think a lot of it's, if not already out of balance, a lot of it is moving towards being very imbalanced. So yeah, the original statement I said, a lot of mobile games aren't intrinsically fun. The fun in them comes from dopamine hits wrapped in stuff. So I can't tell you how to have fun. I can't tell you what enjoyment you get from things. I can't tell you what's going on in your head. If you have more fun playing basketball than being at the slot machines, okay. If you have more interest in, in chess than you do in playing, playing solitaire, that's fine. But start to take a look at what you're, you're really building because there is an inherent danger in separating yourself from the core values that you have. No matter how much you put on top of something, if the core value isn't there, the intrinsic value isn't there, then things start to fall apart more and more. You can look at it this in terms of jobs, the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the, the games you play. These are all rewards, consequences, investments. This all gets wrapped up into an incredibly complex economic ecosystem of life, which I am not trying to tackle. I just noticed something happening in games and in life. And I said, you know what? Let me talk about that for a little bit. And yeah, asking yourself the major question, am I actually having fun? And there was one other place I wanted to go with this. I had an example of somebody was asking me about this, 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 oh, the drink, Olipop. That's what it was. I bought some Olipop. It's just one of the, it's one of these new probiotic sodas. And I tried it. I was like, hey, this is a pretty good, pretty good soda alternative. It's naturally flavored. It's got a lot of probiotics in it. If you're into that probiotic stuff, I thought it was worth trying out. And of course, because it's a soda, people are going to ask, well, did it taste good? I was like, well, yeah, it's not the greatest, but this is not the kind of thing you just go around drinking for taste. It's not, it's not completely about taste. And this confused the hell out of the person I was talking to. Like, why would you drink something? It's not about taste. And I was like, listen, it's a probiotic. It doesn't have a lot of the other garbage that's in all these other sodas like this. I get it kind of settles my stomach, da da da, et cetera. And they're like, uh, okay, but how does it taste? And that became the, the, the number one, the number one reason. And that's hard to get around when you're talking about food. So whether you're talking about water, whether you're talking about any of these other things that could do you well, it'll come back to, well, how does it taste? How does it make me feel? Am I having fun doing this? And it gets confusing. It gets complicated because people have different tastes, different likes, different reasons for doing things. What's fun to you may not be fun to me. I might enjoy going to the gym. Somebody may not because they get sweaty. 
somebody may not like the feeling of driving for long distances because they get claustrophobic. Some people may love the sense of driving because they get to see all the trees and everything pass around. It's a very interesting topic, and this is very subjective to you. So I'm not going to say to like anything or to deny anything or to just make a blanket statement. But in your daily life, try to go about enjoying the intrinsic values, the things that make you happy, the things that actually have a positive feedback loop for you and are not about dopamine hits and getting away from cravings and trying to get your kicks from avoiding pain as opposed to actually truly enjoying something. So I am not a I am not a data scientist. I am not a I'm not a food scientist. I am not a bio biomolecular neuroscientist, etc. I'm none of these things. I've spent my life working on creating games that are enjoyable, intrinsically enjoyable, that are interesting, that keep people's attention without gaming them, quote unquote. So that's the area I come at it with from. And what I'm doing now, as I said, thinking out loud and thinking about ways to, hey, maybe we can steer this in a slightly better direction. Maybe we can start having better online discussions in social media. Maybe we can start, start getting to a place where we're growing online instead of simply jumping online to be fed the simplicities and the things that get us to argue and quote unquote, engage with the system. I don't want to engage with the system on social media. I want to get engaged with the people. I want to engage with thoughts. I want to engage with. And I want to engage with learning. And apparently I'm going to need to engage with my cable company again because this internet is doing things that I wasn't doing before. So I'll have to figure that out, adjust my mesh network or something like that, see what's happening. Anyway, that's going to be it for this one. I said I'd keep these from half hour to 45 minutes and I'm already pushing up on the 45 minute mark. So once again, thanks everybody for coming through. If you have the chance, be sure to subscribe on YouTube. I am starting to update all of my content to YouTube and I'm going to be pushing it there as well as the podcast stream. So right now I'm just getting back into the mode of that and just getting back into the, the habit of posting here, posting to YouTube and posting to my podcast stream. In fact, I'm going to actually be archiving a lot of these streams that I'm doing on Instagram just because it's easier to listen and view them. It's a much better experience, I think, when you're listening and viewing on YouTube and et cetera after the fact. So I think I'll do that. But I appreciate this one. And as always, check me out. Follow me on the socials. Follow me on YouTube, et cetera. Thank you all for coming through. See ya.
Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.